right, KISS Army. Welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. We hope that you enjoy. 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 Welcome to episode 341 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill. And oh my goodness, it's the foursome. Put the band back together. It feels like forever since we've had Mark on. And Lonnie, you know. What's up? Well, you were on last week, so let's just get into stuff today. We'll do some quick news. Pretty good. Well, well, hi, Becky. Um. Top of the news. Today, condolences to Vinnie Vincent on the passing of his mother. Uh, she passed away earlier this month. So, uh, Vinnie and his family, we're, you were in our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Other news. Soul Station. First single drops tomorrow. It is now Paul Stanley's Soul Station. A new child by the... F- what is it? I've got to look it up again because I'm just not... The Five yeah, Step Stairs. Yeah. Had a hit with it in 1970. I've already figured out it was written by Stan Vincent. So, ooh. Apparently, the album's going to be called Now and Then, and it's expected on March the 5th with 14 songs. Some other songs that will be on it are Could It Be I'm Falling in Love and IOI. And it was co-produced, engineered, and mixed, supervised by Greg Collins. So, for people who paid attention to Sonic Boom, Jikuko Retsuden. Just to say that the album title now now and then uh was used before well probably used other times but i know it was used on a carpenter's album and what they did on that on that album is they had now there some new music and then they had then the old like it was 50s late 50s uh, nice and early 60s music you honestly uh, think there's there. gonna be some new music by there paul is. stanley on this? yeah there is. Paul, paul wrote some new songs they're doing the same thing wow yeah, yeah. So, so he could write new music for this. Okay. Well, this is where his heart and soul <laughs> is, or his body and Not soul. Not for Kiss, Mark. Not for Kiss. Yeah, he doesn't want to do any Kiss. All right, moving on with the news. Um, a, a Target pre-order is up for April for a regular vinyl pressing of Ace Frehley's Greatest Hits Live. So I, oh. I, I don't have enough Amazon details too. on that one yet. Is it on Amazon as well now? Yep, I just so, saw it on Amazon too. So that's just a, a general... I think it's only been released as a picture disc, hasn't it? And CD, obviously. And CD. Yeah. Um, today on Facebook, Tom announced Rockologist apparently got approval for three projects from Universal. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping Live to Win, One Live yeah. Kiss, and uh, Gene Simmons... I'm not saying it would uh, be be nice. I'm not, not gonna say I want Gene Simmons. <laughs> yeah, you know. Let's not say that. You know, go into a store. Do you have Gene Simmons in stock? Just you know, <laughs> thanks a lot, Gene. So uh, who knows what it'll be? Uh, there, there are some things that don't interest me, but those certainly would. So I'm hopeful one of those three projects will be something that I like. And finally. <sighs> Reissue of Cat Number One. I think it was last mm-hmm, year. Yeah. They released the double purple vinyl of it this March, uh, St. Patrick's Day. Candy Apple Translucent Green, which to me is far more appropriate a color. Mm-hmm. So yes. I will I will get one of those. And for other people, a book. 
people have been complaining that volume one of this is out of print, so it's back in print, or will be very shortly. And this is, of course, Kiss on Tour, just 1973 to 83. So many complaints. It's a good I don't want, one. I don't want to read about 80s Kiss. I don't care about the reunion. I just want the classic complaints. era. Complaints? So if you've fans, complaints? So if you've already got this, <laughs> one of the earlier printings, I think there's only a few minor corrections and one show that was postponed, cancelled, uh, added to it, and different ads and stuff throughout the layout. So if you've already got it, you don't need it, just because it has a picture on the cover. Seriously, it's just for people who don't ever get the copy and don't want the full monster volume. All right. Uh, Mark, it's been so long since we saw you last. What you been up to? What's going on in your world? Well, um, now that uh, things are kind of back in order with my internet and stuff, I've been back on my musical stuff. Um, I've also been messaging many Project Gemini supporters saying, yes, I'm not dead or whatever. I am around and I am sending your orders now, finally. Now that things are, well, things were kind of getting a little bit easier out here, but now we went through a state of emergency order here. So it might get crazy again here for sending mail out again, but... You know, I'm trying to get everybody's order out. I'm doing pretty good. I'm almost done with all the CD orders for the new Project Gemini album. I'm also pleased to say that uh, the Lacquer Channel has started process on the vinyl release of in the year 3073 Book 2. So we'll be doing that very soon. I do have a poll on my Project Gemini page to vote on the color for the new album. So you can put your vote in to put what kind of color it'll be. And I also started working with Joe couple days ago on new dark monarchy record and uh, can you believe that we have eight songs written in like three days it's unbelievable that we have that meant written already between the two of us you can tell that we were very desperate to work on a new dark monarchy record so um it's going really good with that we're not going to rush it believe it or not i mean that doesn't that sounds like we're rushing but really it was very very uh smooth and not rushed at all that writing part but uh it'll be probably done in a couple of months and that'll be another thing to talk about when that happens but yeah things are going pretty good and uh, knock on wood my internet continues to be stable and i can do many more episodes with my buddies here nice well welcome back Very glad cool. to see you again um let's get into today's show we're going to topics from the board but i do want to start with lonnie because uh last week lonnie had something that i thought was going to be a hot take and lonnie certainly got hot under the collar when talking about it and animated but i didn't have to delete a single comment about lonnie's opinion there was nothing but universal support it was across the board unanimous so i've uh, protested the results uh, because it clearly can't be the case with kiss fans that everyone agreed <laughs> that lonnie was Lottie was right. Lottie, what's your, were you expecting hate and anger and division? Are you surprised? I, I'm very surprised because um, if you if you go look at my at my Twitter mentions from about a week and a half ago, uh, and, and Julian, you saw them. Uh, they were not there. There was no support when I made those. When I just made a, a simple <laughs> observation on Saturday night, I I got went after and went after hard from all angles. And I was, I was, I was ready for it because, like, you know, I, I can take it. I, I, have, I have two older brothers. I've, I've been subject to, um, to uh, abuse most of my life. You know what I mean? So I have pretty thick skin, and, and I'm, I'm pretty 
quick at, at coming back at, at, at a comeback because I've, I've had to be my whole life. So I, I, I was ready for it. And I, I was monitoring the YouTube comments and the comments on the board pretty, pretty um, diligently on uh, the first few days after the episode dropped because I wanted to see if there were any nasty comments out there like before you had to delete any or anything, Julian. But, you know, I, I didn't see any. There, it was nothing but support right away saying that good for you for for saying something, you know, you know, I totally agree with you, blah, 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 blah. Um, I was, I was impressed. And like, I, I messaged Julian. Um, and I think I, maybe the group, maybe Julian still, I forget. And said, you know, I'm, I'm surprised that there, there are more trolls on, on Twitter than, than there are on the FAQ. Apparently, I guess I was really I was shocked. So that or Julian's already banned all the trolls. And they're, so. No, we, we, we still have plenty. And you know what? <laughs> I would only have deleted the most egregiously offensive. If it was just nothing but insults, if someone called you to task oh. and disagreed, I would have left that. So I didn't have to do Absolutely. anything because we're, we're not against debate. It, I think it just proves that we've got a really, good bunch of folk who listen to the show so thank you very much out there for your support and for being open to you know varying opinions it is very refreshing mm-hmm. so yeah, i mean we'll try harder to piss you off opinion. just don't go after someone <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so uh, moving moving into the next kind of part on this is paul stanley's tweets he dialed it back big time. This he took a step back and said, uh, you know, basically put out there, do you need your rock stars to agree with your outlook? Because you know something to that effect. I, I to be perfectly honest, I don't spend a lot of time reading anything on Twitter, um, and I, I thought that was kind of cool that he had, he had been very confrontational with his opinions, and then all of a sudden he kind of stopped and stepped back. But that does become the first question. Do you, to all of you, what do you want from Kiss in terms of their tweets and their communication and their interaction with you, Mark? You, you kind of just rolled your eyes. What what do you want from them? Uh, I'm not interested in their political views and stuff like that. I mean, they're musicians; they're not politicians. And uh, you know, I, I agree with Lonnie 150 percent from his from the episode before. I was very proud of Lonnie. I, I had a slight tear come to my eye when I heard his rant there. Uh, I was like, very good, Lonnie. I, I, I felt like that's my boy right there because I have to agree. You know, the guy says one thing and then does another. But the thing that really pissed me off about this too is that the guy was always talking about how, you know, the fans are important to him and this and that. And the people that have worked for Kiss through all the years are really important. They're the backbone of the of the band and stuff like that but you know if they would have did the show like lonnie mentioned in in america he would have helped a lot of unionized you know people in the music business with that as well i don't know if you even thought about that you know what i mean these people are hurting right now for money during this situation that would have been a big boost for some you know unionized people who work in the music industry right so uh, i totally agreed with uh his comments about that and you know I've I never had any issues with Paul and Gene whenever they talked about music stuff or they tweeted about, you know, hey, look at this. I found this or here's an old demo and stuff like that. That that kind of tweets, I don't mind, you know, because there are things that I'm interested in and kiss. You know, do I need to be, you know, uh, scorned by Paul Stanley about wearing masks and stuff like that? I don't need to because I, I do wear mine and I don't need him to tell me I'm not an idiot, you know. And then he says that. You know, and then, you know, he does a stupid thing like he did with, with going to Dubai. So, I mean, really, to me. 
stick with the music, I'll be happy with that. And Brussels sprouts. Hmm. Ken, what do you want out of, you know, Paul or any rock star? And don't forget now that Paul has an album coming out. It's time to definitely play nice yeah. on Twitter. It's fine. Uh, I have no problem with uh, Paul marketing uh, something that he's going to be putting out, uh, this this music or his passion for that uh, type of music um, or, or something about Kiss or some, you know, a picture that they found, the old picture of Kiss and stuff like that, that sometimes he'll do or 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 gene may post um but yeah i I don't want to hear anything political you know or you know telling me (laughs) what to do or what to agree with um now everyone has their own opinions um you know let them figure that out on on their own so and, and i don't i don't sign up for twitter the only time i see those twitter things is when it's on the board and someone posts it a, a, you know, a, a screenshot of it, and I'll, you know, I'll read it there. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't need any of that other stuff. Just stick to your, you know, stay in your wheelhouse and do your, do the Kiss stuff or whatever the other music that you're gonna do. Or if you're gonna do a movie, yeah, you can. I don't have a problem with promoting something like that. Um, but yeah, t- stay away from politics. Yeah, I, I don't actually have a problem with politics or opinion or anything i just find it over the last year um because we are all locked down to to differing degrees we are all in circumstances where um there are challenges in our lives i i just don't need to hear it i don't want to hear it it's just Mm too many faucets are flowing at the same time so usually it wouldn't bother me i i would just ignore it um but I, I certainly do take, um, you know, Lonnie's point of view and agree with it completely, especially the optics of, you know, what what did occur. Let's move mm-hmm. on into there and get back to the music and merchandising. Gene Simmons has, of course, announced a new partnership with Gibson, the, mm-hmm. the nearly the nearly bankrupt guitar company i believe they've had hard times over recent years with his what's called the g2 i mean that's like a gatorade drink g2 <laughs> uh guitars and bassline and these of course did debut at uh the dubai show uh, maybe that show only existed to launch the new line of gene simmons basses but nikki six has made these famous visually lonnie you know what were your thoughts on that bass making its debut do you think he should just be sticking with his axe and his punisher or are you open to new things you know i'm gonna sound like like an, like an old man kiss fan by saying no i i, I don't like the new one you know i i like the axe bass i like the punisher that You've been playing the same two guitars for since the reunion tour. Even before that, he was playing the Punisher on the on Revenge tour. Even so, I mean, I I the, the Punisher and the Axe just they fit Gene. They fit his personality. They fit the demon. Um, I I don't I don't think those new I don't think the new Gibsons fit. The demon. I, and I know people are like, well, he played different guitars in the 70s. Yeah, I know he played different guitars in the 70s. But the, the, the Nikki Six style bass just does not fit Gene, in my opinion. Um, and, at the, and at the end of the day, 
you know what it's it, at the end of the day you know what it's about it's like well the kiss fans mm-hmm. the kiss fans with the kiss fans that are going to buy guitars have already bought a punisher and they've already bought an axe bass so why not give them a different gene simmons model bass guitar for them to buy that's what it is at the end of the day in my opinion and if you want to go buy one more power to you that's what you want to, but it's not to me it's not my cup of tea i i want when the curtain comes down and and Gene's coming down off that pod. I want to see that that axe base, or I want to see that Punisher base, because that's to me that's that's what that's what you're supposed to be playing. You know, it's like it's like Paul Stanley with with his guitars. You know, there, there's a certain style of guitar that that you should always see Paul Stanley that you in your mind when you picture Paul Stanley playing a guitar. You know, you, you have a couple different designs in your mind, just like with Gene with the axe. You have a couple different designs of Paul Stanley what what Paul should be playing. And same as Gene. And these new ones are not what I envision when I picture Gene on a stage plane. So for me, they, they don't do anything for me at all. Sorry. Has anyone ever seen Gene with a Fender Jazz bass? I think. I've seen a picture of him okay. having a Fender Precision bass on a exactly. stand back in the 70s, like somewhere in the corner. I think I might even mean like that, uh, that Midnight Special performance i think they're off to the side mm. if you take a look he had a up yeah. under uh, precision yeah i was listening to a bunch of live shows yesterday and when i when i visualized them playing what i was listening to it was mm-hmm. not the that bass that new one it was the axe on every sure. song that's just what i kind of expect so um it's too close to to nikki sixes they're beautiful they're beautiful equipment but uh for me you know Give me that, Ken. What's your take on that? Yeah, well, I I, I, I agree with Lonnie um, about what fits Gene and doesn't fit Gene. Um, now, Mark did show some pictures of Gene, you know, with you know, without the makeup and the guitar, and it looks fine to me. It looks fine. It's right. without the costume and without the the makeup. Uh, it looks like okay, you know, there's nothing that needs to fit there. Um, but when when you have the full costume and the makeup on, yeah, you gotta stick with the the axe or the you know the the Punisher. Those are those are the main ones that I always see Gene with, or I don't imagine anything else beyond that um, him playing. Mark, thank you for doing the show and tell of as always. <laughs> no problem. Um, I think I have to agree that this is probably a money. Thing, as usual i mean you know when when is gene not being known for you know trying to fill his pockets further um but this is this is definitely something down that path because really does gene simmons need another base or another line of base i really don't think he's in any kind of dire need to have one i think this is just a situation where gibson came up to him and said hey listen how about doing a special base for your upcoming show and uh presented him with something and you know because when i look at this base the first thing that comes to my mind is wow how much thought did you really put into this because really i mean it's just really a design that's i've seen a hundred thousand times you know it's just almost like gene i can imagine the conversation gene would you like to have a special base done for you by gibson for the show well you know i really use my axe and it's not we'll give you fifty thousand dollars just to play it for one night yeah and that's it and that was done you know what i mean that's exactly how I envisioned it happening. Because to me, if it was some serious thought involved to it, I could imagine him maybe trying to put some more different aesthetics on it, maybe some kind of Gene Simmons 
like a logo on there or put something in there, like like some design of his makeup on the somewhere on the like something more that makes it look Gene Simmons-ish because this doesn't look like a Gene Simmons base at all to me. Like if you wouldn't have told me that he played this, I would never know this is a base that he endorses. You know what I mean? So I think it's definitely definitely just a money grab thing. And I, what I'm curious about is if we ever get back to live performances, let's say in 2022, will he be bringing these things and having them, you know, sold for $50,000 and, you know, backstage, mm-hmm. you know? Do you remember when Paul Maybe. had on one of his guitars, he had that little metal plate down by, what, what the hell is it called at the bottom of the guitar where the strings connect to where the Floyd Rose Oh, the bridge? The bri- yeah, the bridge. Thank you. Um, Paul had like a little silver star. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, metal yeah. plate. Has Gene never done a metallic tongue, like twisty tongue, down there at the bottom of one of his bases? I, so. I mean, a lot of them aren't no, exactly but... designed to have that kind of space. That'd be kind of cool, actually. Yeah, yeah but see what I mean? That's what I mean. That, uh, if it would have been be more unique. thought in it, they could have. He could have did something like that. You know, yeah. Yeah. some kind of bat wing down there, even or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, a bat wing uh, pickguard. You know. Right. Yeah. So there you go. Some the elements that kind of work with Gene and his costume, uh, you know, the, what are those like little teeth, those uh, things he had up on his spikes, you know, oh, for, yeah. the, for the flip switches and all that. All right, that's mm-hmm. just now it's just getting silly. All right, so uh, a book I'd like to see. I think a book about posters would be so cool. Lonnie, would a book about Kiss posters be cool? Would it be magical? I- I think a book a, a a book about kiss posters could be cool and like with a lot of outtake photos in there would be would be even better. Um, you know, other pictures from the top of the Empire State Building, you know, other pictures from just some of those other classic classic shots, other pictures of Spirit of Seventy Six, you know, some some of those outtake pictures. I think that would be interesting. Because, you know, we, we see pictures like that from some of those classic photo shoots from time to time. And you see one like, oh well that's you know, like you see it in the corner of your eye, like oh, I've seen that picture a, a billion times, but then you're like, oh wait, no, that's not that picture. It's something totally different from the same photo shoot. I think pictures. I think a book of. I think a book of outtakes of Kiss posters could, could be really cool. Um, just because you know you know they exist, so so why not? I, I think that would be fun more than anything else. Mark. Well, there's definitely one book I would want. I mean, and because um, Mr. Zappa's company did this and i was over the moon and i heard about this and i'm going to be hunting it down because it's kind of hard to find is uh they have a complete encyclopedic guide of all the musical equipment used recording wise by zappa so imagine a mm. really great book of kiss and all the, mu- the equipment that they used for recording their records throughout the years what the, were the guitars that they used in the first album what kind of amps did they use what kind of pedals did paul and ace use you know even you know what kind of mixing console was used at bell sound when they did it and then move to the next record and stuff like that go through each thing what was a drum kit that peter christie used on when they recorded dress to kill like there's a believe it or not they have books like that for like zappa they have a book like that uh, with the Beatles, they have a great Beatles encyclopedia with all their recording equipment there. They even have a great book I have here with talks about the whole recording thing in detail. What was on track one on the four track? How did they record it and stuff like that? Those are the kind of things that get me excited. And I'd love to see Kiss do something like that. Ooh, yeah. I've seen some of the actual uh, like studio rental stuff for mm. uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom. So I know the guitar that they 
well, that was for the movie that they hired for the movie scene. Uh, but got the studio sheets for Kissing Time. So, oh, you, know, cool. you know, the mics and the stuff that they rented for that. Uh, really? Yeah. What else? There there are some other ones. I've got, well, obviously I've got receipts for the picks Ace bought before recording the first album. Got the receipts cool. from uh, the wind chime for the elder, shit like that. But not no, enough, no. not not enough for a book. Um, but if I have those sorts of things, so do other people. And who knows, mm. maybe it could all be gathered together. That would actually be very interesting. And I don't know if either, any of you know that Def Leppard just opened its online web vault this mm. week where they're sort of going through their stuff but that would be fun to put into it like an online experience studio sheets and stuff like that as well as a printed version ken what's your take on a poster book or some other book idea yeah the i agree with lonnie about the posters uh all their posters outtakes and posters ones even even outtakes of any uh shots for album you know the album covers or the back of an album or the inside of a album uh pictures that they took um including yeah all the posters even including uh, promotional posters that that were you know promos for the albums or for singles uh that would be all cool to have in, in one book um as for uh like mark said the instruments um i agree uh, I don't know about a book, but I think I think that they should save that kind of thing for a box set on each album and put that in as part of like the booklet. You show, OK, they played these use these guitars and these instruments for this album. Then the next album, you have the box set and you have another book and it shows the instruments in there and and so on. Um, that's how I that's what, how I would do it. I would break it out into separate box sets for each album and do it that way yeah all of the magazine ads like that full color yeah, one, yeah Mark, Mark exactly show, yeah. That, that'd be very cool that would be great yeah because yeah. i remember you know going through circus magazines which i'm obviously still doing for the aerosmith book and keep running into kiss stuff you know all the ads that they ran in there uh all the ads that they ran in billboard Cashbox, record world you know and in you know in the yeah. UK or internationally sounds and whatnot that would just be fun eye candy. Talking about books, we've mentioned you know like the the idea of a, a Kiss tour book book before, mm -hmm. but I have a question to fans out there, and I was having a discussion with someone about the 1976 Alive, so the first Kiss tour book. If you've got it, I no longer have copies, and when I did the web pages for the FAQ on that mm -hmm. one. I was pretty sure that on the very last page, on the inside cover, which had the discography, it had the next album, just a square with the text, and not the cover for Destroyer there, because it wasn't ready yet. Does anyone have a copy of that tour book that actually has the artwork for Destroyer pictured? Or is it just the, the blank? I put up a version on the FAQ reference site, and I don't know if I photoshopped that cover in. So someone was telling we were having a debate that I said there were two versions of that tour book. And he says there's only one. So check your if you've got the original Alive 1976 tour book, which Mark is showing, uh, Kiss on Tour 1976. Good title. Um, I, I would love to put that to rest. 
Uh, I know that some come with an order form for merch, a yellow one, I think it was, or the fan club, and others don't, but that'd be really cool. All right, who brought topics to discuss of their own? Raise your hand and go for it. No one's raising their hand. No. Lot, you guys didn't lots, of, lots of show prep going on oh, today. God, because I didn't do any gosh. show prep. What is going on here? Gotta go on the gotta go on the message board. Uh, let's see. <laughs> this is good. This is good. This is good. Listening. I can bring out the trivia cards. You know, I can pull that out and see if you guys know. Here's anything. one. Here's one that I found interesting <laughs> this week. Is what is your worst, or do you have a worst Kiss concert experience? Mm-hmm. I you know most of us have, have seen the band multiple multiple times. Is there is there is there a show that sticks out in your mind? That that's the worst Kiss concert I ever saw. Oh hmm. yes. Go ahead then, Julian. Do it. It's your topic. You're supposed to go first. You All want right. To go first? No, every, everyone knows that when I got back from that show in Reno, in I think it was 2017, oh, yeah. was absolutely horrendous. Not because <clears throat> the band was horrendous, simply because of where I was positioned was absolutely horrendous. What was supposed to be front row was instead in front of a wall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with the stage off to the side and I was just right. furious about that and then you know obviously later going to Def Leppard and it again supposed to be the same and then instead you're in front of all this tarp covered crap on the side so yeah technically front row uh, or second row whatever it was that was my least favorite Kiss concert ever um and again, not because the band's performance was bad. It was just because I basically got neck strain trying to watch them that day. Lonnie? Um, I do have a bad... I, it, it's not a bad one, but I, I, I remember seeing them. I saw them in <clears throat> on uh, 2012 with Motley Crue. And I'd seen them, you know, the previous year in 2011 they toured. Um, they did like a Lost Cities tour in 11. You know, I'd seen them a couple times in 2010, call them like five times in nine. I'd seen them a bunch of times in a row, like with, with all the touring that, that they had done after Sonic Boom came out. And I was really excited for this show, actually, the Motley Crue show in, in 12 in St. Louis, because when they played St. Louis in 2012, it was the first time they had played St. Louis since 2004. They had skipped St. Louis multiple times. So I was always having to travel to go see them. Which I loved, which I love doing. It's always a, a cool experience to travel to go see him. You know, taking a road trip with my brother or, or, or whoever to go to go see him it was always a good time. Um, but but I always, you know, I want to see him in my city. I want to see him in my hometown. You know, and I think we all can relate to that. You know, there's something special about seeing him in your hometown. So I was excited that they're finally coming, and um, we have my brother and I had we had great seats, and Motley Crue came on, and I thought Motley Crue was really really good that night actually. Um, and I'd seen, I've seen Motley a bunch of times and they, they were good that night. I really enjoyed them. And then Kiss came on and it just seemed flat to me. Um, they, and, and I've, and I've had other people agree with me that in 2012 on, on the tour that they were flat and I have other people say, Oh no, they blew Motley off the stage on that tour, blah, blah, blah. I, I just thought they seemed flat that night. And then I saw him a week later in Indianapolis, and it was it, it, it seemed 
I, I, maybe maybe it's because my expectations were lower. They seemed better that night, but for whatever reason, they just I I, I think Motley I think Motley blew them. I think Motley put on a better show than Kiss did on in that in that in that package tour. And to me, they just they just didn't do it for me that night. And I remember getting back into the car, uh, walking to the car with my brother, and I had a and the radio station in St. Louis was was like playing Kiss on the radio because that's you know just what they do. You know, after a show, you know, they, you play the band's music on whatever big show was in town that night. You played that that band's music, you know, for a couple hours after the show. And they were playing, I don't know, Heaven's on Fire or something like that. And this lady, this lady goes, well, see, they didn't play that either. Like, like this, the lady like was bitching about the set list, <laughs> which I which I thought was funny. But, you know, I to me, they just they just seemed flat that night, I guess. You know, and I've seen a bunch of times where they just blew me away. But so that that night is just it just didn't do it for me. And I guess you know some, sometimes I guess bands just go through the motions some nights though too. Hey, we're in a smaller market. You know, it's just another night on the tour. It's a Tuesday night. It's maybe it, it's, it maybe it's hard to get up for it every night. But to me, it just it didn't do it for me that night. Fair enough, Mark. What about you? Actually, the ironic thing is that Lonnie talked about the exact same tour that I was going to talk about because when I went and saw them. In Toronto, uh, I went and saw them uh, during that Crew Kiss tour, and I thought Crew were fantastic. They were they were really good live, and uh, I th- I thought the only thing was that uh, I just thought that the volume was like really insanely loud at the show I was at for Crew. Like the guitars were like whoa, like him and Tommy were like ear bleeding levels. And funny, Vince was actually singing really good because that's when he broke in his foot and there was danger they were going to cancel the show. So he couldn't run around. So he was actually kind of in one place most of the night. So he sang really good because he didn't wasn't out of breath the whole night. Right. So uh, th- that was one of the best crew concerts I'd, I'd ever witnessed. And just like what Lonnie said, when Kiss came out, you know, I was all excited. You know, the, the intro started, you know, Kiss, and they came out. And then after song two, I was already like, hmm going on here like it, it just it just did not hit me with the same vigor as motley crew had a couple of you know like 45 minutes before you know it, it, it was it wasn't it wasn't like a terrible show but it just had nowhere near the punch and the energy and the excitement as that crew show did i mean i clearly remember going to see kiss when they did the reunion show the the 96 tour at, at toronto at skydome when i went to see them and I mean, that place, you could cut the energy with a knife. It was so exciting then. Like, people were really like on the edge of their seat for Kiss when they came out. I mean, I, I felt bad for Degeneration, the band that opened, because they were getting like just booed, like, get off the stage. Like, people wanted to see Kiss so badly at that point that, you know, I don't care who you are, opening for Kiss was a mistake then. But, you know, it. I just found that after a certain period, you know, their, their performances started getting a little less exciting i mean even psycho circus i thought it was a good tour but some of the 3d effects didn't work well from where i was sitting when i went to see it you know i mean the saving grace for that show was i got to bring my sisters who had never seen kiss so watching them was more fun than watching the kiss show right uh but that tour i don't know if that was just the beginning of things to come at that point but just like lonnie said i I found that they were kind of you know not not so exciting that that tour that's funny. I was actually going through my photos from my the show I saw on that tour as well yesterday, 
because I've been clearing off storage <laughs> systems. And I finally, I think I finally deleted the very last copy of my recording of the, both of those sets uh, because I had uh, just gotten a digital recorder and I didn't turn down the mic. So it's so overblown. You can't even hear <laughs> anything for both Kiss and Motley Crue from Concord on that. But I do have video of Paul flying right over me to the point where it's like he's trying to kick me in the head. I hadn't done anything <laughs> to annoy him yet either, but uh, you were yeah, banned. I've, I've I've enjoyed all my Motley Crue shows, by the way, that I've been to. Mm. So mm-hmm. I wasn't that shocked that they were really good in, uh, you know, in two thousand. What was it? Twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Ken. Have you yeah, ever Ken, seen... not enjoyed your no, Kiss never. show? No, just one time. Uh, I mentioned it before. It wasn't that show that you guys mentioned. Uh, okay. I thought that was okay. <clears throat> Um, but, uh, yeah, it was crazy nights again. And I've, I've said it before that they just, uh, didn't seem into it when they were playing. I know you've seen them on crazy nights on uh, some other videos, like in Japan, which is great, really good stuff. But this show at the San Francisco civic auditorium (laughs) was not very good. Uh, I mean, they played fine. It's kind of like they just showed up to get the show out of the way, slammed through it. It wasn't that long. It's probably the shortest of the concerts, mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. since Dynasty, I would say. And Dynasty, of course, they didn't have as many songs back then um, but to play. But, uh, it, it, yeah, it's it was just it's like something's wrong. Something's off with these guys. It just seems like they're just not into it at all. Uh, so that's the way I felt, and I, the friends I went with, they they felt the same way too so yeah it was unfortunate i mean it wasn't horrible but it's it's i expect a lot more out of a you know kiss and the kiss show uh, which they usually give cool all right who else has a topic trawled from the board best best kiss studio album opener go mark well I think honestly, and I've and I've said this for a long time, that I think still that the best Kiss opener I've heard is "King of the Mountain." For me, that's always been my favorite opening track on a Kiss record. I mean, it's a great display of Eric Carr. Um, I think it's a great display of the energy of the band at that point. I also think it's a great display of Bruce Kulick and his guitar playing at that point. I mean, he did. He had done an instructional guitar video. I think the, that same year, and uh, one of the first things on that instructional video is he went through that whole guitar solo section of King of the Mountain on there. So, I mean, he was really on fire at that point, I think. And it's always been my favorite non-makeup Kiss album. So I definitely think that that is probably one of the best, if not for me, the best opening Kiss opening. song. Cool. How about Lonnie? What's his pick? It's Creatures of the Night for me. I th- oh, cool. I, I just think, you know, Eric Carr's drumming and the guitars kicking off that song is just fantastic. And I, I, think, I think not only is it a great opener for an album, I think it's, it's great when they open shows when they did that song live to open up shows. Um, I wish they would have done that more often. And I wish they'd, you know, they, I, it was really cool when they brought Creatures back a few years ago, I wish I would open up more shows with it because I love that song. I think it's such a great opening track, and it just it just 
I, I'm sure like for you, Ken, like when you put on creatures for the first time after living through Unmasked and living through The Elder and you put on this new Kiss album with this new drummer on the cover finally and just starts with those drums and those screeching guitars right into it, you're probably like, holy shit, they're, they finally did it. They finally made a rock album. And I, and I and I think it, it not only does that that song represent that period of the band, but it's just a great song and a great way to kick off one of their best albums. So for me, it's Creatures of the Night, hands down. All right, Jillian, what is it? Well, you know, I want to say King of the Mountain because of oh. the, because what the album means to me, but there's nothing quite like when you listen to the very first song on a band's very first album whether or not you were there at the time, because it represents the start of the band's journey, especially if it's a pretty hot song like Strutter. So I'm going to go with Strutter today because I, I think we spend so much time looking back at the band and their history that I wouldn't feel right going with some of the opening songs that I really, really do love, like Exciter or Creatures of the Night or King of the Mountain, which are closer to the time where I became a fan. It, feels right to say strutter today what about you ken okay well i i actually answered that poll on the board and <laughs> well i don't um, read the board i know <laughs> but most people yeah so anyway i had picked uh i had picked i stole your love and because i think it, that is i know there's a couple of close other close ones but that i think that is the best opening song on a Kiss album. Um, I think it's the best opening song that Kiss could or has played uh, for a live concert also. Um, I think that is just, you know, when, when I heard heard that song uh, lead off or when they played it in on the Hot in the Shade, you know, it was just, fant- I was like, oh, yes, this is it. You know, because I remember hearing, uh, you know, these old, or seeing old videos of them playing it and stuff like that. And was, I couldn't believe I was finally going to get that. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. And, and that's the song that ended up with the most votes on the board. Mm-hmm. I didn't cheat or anything, but that's, that's <laughs> put it, they put it out. I, I answered it when they first pretty much put it, put posted this uh, poll up there. I think number two is, uh, Detroit Rock City, one of Mark's favorites. Oh, uh, yeah. Creatures of the Night, it looks like to be in third place with uh, 70, uh, <clears throat> 13%, but 70 votes. Keenan Mountain did okay, uh, 21 votes for you know 4%. But uh, I think the least was the least opener. Two, it uh, looks like the openings uh, rise to it. <laughs> Rise to it. That's a shame. That's did, a good song. Did the worst out of all all the songs. But then, comparatively speaking, you know, you, yeah. you can understand why it would. I, I have a well. I have a topic. Good. Okay. Go. I got a topic. So, okay, got to think a bit here on this one. So we got <laughs> no. three drum. We so we have three drummers in Kiss history: Peter, mm-hmm. Chris, Eric Carr, Eric Singer. Which of the three? Big. Well, we're talking about in a live situation. Okay. Okay. Of the of the three drummers, which do you think has done the best drum solo that on that you've seen? 
Want me to go? Yeah, go ahead. You go first. I'll, I'll go. Uh, the best drum solo I've seen is the uh, Eric Carr uh, on the like the Hot in the Shade, uh, where he's playing those. What is this? Synthetic drums. Simmons drums. The pads. Simmons pads. Yeah, pads. Simmons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and actually makes a song out of it uh, as part of the solo creates a song and is drumming with it and uh it almost and it worked perfectly for the the stage set it, it made me think of egyptian it sounded egyptian to me uh mm-hmm. it was it was just perfect uh so i think that's the best at least as far as entertaining mm-hmm. uh solo i i know peter chris has done some great ones too um way back you know early but uh, that the Eric Carr one is really the uh, my favorite drum solo. Julian, yeah, concur. Um, you know Peter's drum solos. I'm sure if I'd been there in the 70s, would have mm-hmm. been fantastic to be part of the tribal thing and the phasing mm-hmm. and on all that would have been <laughs> yeah. really cool. But because I became a fan in the 80s and saw Eric Carr. Um, and he was the pictures in the magazines for me as uh, a young fan, exactly what Ken said. And add to that, when they start doing the laser show during the hot in the shade, mm-hmm. playing off the uh, the Simmons, the mm-hmm. regular drumming, and then all the laser lights, and um, it's just spectacular. It, it really is to this day a very cool effect that they've never really replicated for Eric Singer, even during the yeah. end of the road tour. Surprisingly, when you, you see all the lasers that they now do use, that they've never tried to, you know, do homage to Eric Carr by integrating some of those elements in his drum solo these days. That was really the high point of Kiss drum solos. Because mm-hmm. Eric Singer never brought in some of the cool stuff he did with like Alice Cooper, the flaming drumsticks, which yeah. would have been a great riff on, <laughs> you know, Peter's original exploding drumsticks, you know. Yeah. So it, it would it would have been nice of them to do that. But Eric Carr, I never get tired of watching, you know, one of the hot in the shade solos, even, you know, the um, the Crazy Night Store, you know, once they get past Japan, they're fantastic. I love the Crazy Night's drum solo from um, Budokan with Bruce doing the no, no, no bit. That's the only time I like no, no, no is when, the, you know, it's part of that. So, Eric Carr, yeah. Um, Eddie Cannon's was terrible. All right. Lonnie. Um, I... Personally, one of my one of my favorite drum solos I've seen is actually Peter's on the reunion tour. Um, you know, I, I like the, the the tribal type feel to it, but the way that he incorporated the crowd into it by like the dun dun and then pointing at certain areas of of the arena, I always you know you know it's a it's a gimmicky trick, but you know what that's that's Kiss, and I thought it was a way to get the crowd to to interact with the drum solo because you know a lot of times what do people do during the drum solo now that's when you go get another beer that's when you go to the bathroom you know it's a it's a it's a it's a break in the show but you know i i was i i I always talk about i saw him in st louis on the reunion tour his third show the reunion tour and it's 96 so i mean i haven't seen any footage 
of the band. I mean, the reunion tour had been going on for less than a week at that point. So I hadn't seen any footage of the band playing at all. And, you know, wasn't expecting, you know, to be a part to, to the audience to participate in the drum solo. So when he go, when it does it, and then points to my side of the arena, you know, and, they, you know, they, they turn the lights on that side of the arena and everybody, you know, cheers. You know, I thought it was great. And I, I thought it was a fantastic um, um, gimmick for, for Kiss to do. So I, I was, I'm always partial to the, to that Alive Worldwide drum solo, Peter. It's one of my favorite drum solos ever. Cool. So for me personally, I mean, I got to agree a lot with the uh, Eric Carr thing, but I'm gonna <clears throat> I'm gonna mention one as an honorable mention, which I thought really Im- impacted me quite a bit actually. Back when Kiss did the uh, club tour, when Eric Singer had joined the band, uh, I, I had missed that Toronto date, but my friend had gotten the bootleg uh, like video of it on videotape, and we brought it over to his house and watched it. And he had a he had a really great stereo system. So like when he put it on, it was like like insanely loud in his house. And it was like you were sitting in the club watching this. And I remember watching him do this drum solo and Paul Stanley comes out and says, Okay, man, show them what you got. Because it was like his first real proper introduction to the KISS fans of Toronto at that point. And I was honestly taken aback by his drum solo. It wasn't very long, but he was showing all his like, you know catching things and all his things that did all his frilly stuff and his tom rolls and his double kick stuff was really really impressive you know and even at that i even found that that whole show he had totally modernized kiss's songs with the way he had played double kick to a lot of it like songs like deuce and i stole your love and all this stuff was like it sounded like new current material the way he drummed it you know and plus they had you know a much heavier guitar sound at that point during the club shows so i really found that that drum solo kind of affected me in the way that I was kind of like excited for a kiss that they had this drummer kind of almost in the way how, when I heard painkiller the first time gone was Dave Holland and his sort of, you know, dull, boring drumming. And here was, you know, (laughs) Scott Travis, who was like on fire in comparison. And I was very excited about the band all of a sudden, same thing with kiss. When I heard Eric Singer, I was like, wow, I can only imagine what's going to come now. So that that's a drum solo that really impacted me. Cool. All right. Mm-hmm. I've spent the week basically deleting Evan Stanley stuff out of the general Kiss discussion forum <laughs> because Evan Stanley is not Kiss. So mm-hmm. he gets to build his own career, and I, I relegate him to our Let's Talk Music forum, which is not publicly visible. Um but I do want to ask your guys' opinion about that stuff. He uh, posted, he actually dropped three videos three days ago. Memories, which is the Maroon 5 cover with, for which the video has the uh, cameo by Brian Cranston. Or whoever. I've never watched a single episode of that show, by the way. And two other songs, which I think are his own compositions. Um, what are your thoughts on Evan Stanley? And I followed that kid. Right. We've seen him do the bluesy stuff with his pops on stage, and he's a hell mm-hmm. of a guitar player. So all of a sudden ending up in auto-tune land is you know, kind of disappointing to me because it's just not my taste. I know it's modern music, and it shouldn't be my taste. Um, he had a MySpace page years ago for Jupiter's Ring, which had some pretty promising rock material as well. So um, please don't, Mark. <laughs> oh. Yeah, not not my bag. So, Lonnie, let's start with you. What any thoughts on Evan Stanley? 
you know, it's I I tend to agree with you. It's not it's not my thing. I I've listened to it, but it's just it I I I don't need to go back and listen to it again. It's it's not my thing at all. And you know, I guess it makes the four of us sound like old men on this show that you know that all oh, this modern music this is my stuff you know but but it's just not it 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 doesn't move me it doesn't do anything for me it's you know i, I don't i don't expect him to be paul stanley volume two or paul stanley 2.0 but i thought there'd be a little more influence in it than than what there is and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't move me in any way. I'm, I, it, it, in no way am I, I've, I've no desire to go seek it out, you know, or, or to, to download it for that matter. It, it, it's kind of, I don't know, if, I, I don't want to say if it's disappointing or not, but it's just, it just doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me. Stop. Whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, Evan, leave your father's vocal smoothing pedal alone. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm I'm old. I I really don't listen to very much new music. I think that when the last Lady Gaga album came out, I did listen to the whole thing and I did enjoy it. But in terms of new emerging art artists, um, you know, I I didn't listen to any of Sophie's stuff because it, it's you know the the clips that I had heard were enough to turn me off. It's not like I'm just gonna go that way. So I I'm not gonna bash on the on the guy um, no. because it's father could cause me trouble so you know mark well i mean i'm gonna approach this from a different kind of perspective sort of that from a producer's end of looking at it i think that it's kind of you know there's there's nothing wrong with it i mean it's very modern very current sounding but there's just things about it that just instantly rubbed me the wrong way. The amount of auto-tune on it is unbelievable. His voice is pit, like tuned to death. I, I, can't, I can't believe how much tuning is happening on this already. And this guy's young, you know, like, come on. I mean, your dad has an excuse at least, right? I mean, and, and it, just, it just seems like it's very bland. It's very just like paint-by-numbers music. I mean, if I was Paul Stanley's son, I would maybe try to take advantage of it a little bit more and come out with something really hard hitting because, you know, I think that why people like him do this kind of stuff is because they want to get in and write music that's kind of, you know, commercially accessible in hopes of getting on, you know, getting in with, you know, whatever kind of industry people are still left around. But I think at this point, he has such a, you know, big musical name behind him he could get away with taking a few more risks and putting out something that's maybe a little bit more daring and get away with it than some unknown could right i think if i was evan i would write something a little bit more daring come on you can put something a bit more heavier something a bit more you know flashier than that i mean come on how how dull is that video too like just a pickup truck strumming an acoustic guitar out in the desert i mean who hasn't done that a hundred thousand times already like come on man it had bongos yeah i mean it's it's everything about it is just so done a hundred times i mean come on man you you have your dad there he has some pull still come on man you could have done a much better video than that brutal brutally honest but yeah, I, I do agree, especially if he's going to have, did you see on Spotify that his uh, emoji is basically a smiley face with one of the, one of the eyes is a, is a plus. 
Uh, yeah, yeah maybe I'm reading too much. Okay, Voice of Reason. Give us some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I've only heard one of the songs so far. I haven't seen those videos yet. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm guessing they're in the same vein of the other, the first song that was released. And yeah, I don't care. It sounds like everything else out there. And that's what I don't like. It's nothing unique. You gotta be unique um, to be, be different. That's, that's what will make you stand out, not running with the crowd, you know, doing something different. Um, So it's like when, you know, you mentioned Lady Gaga when she came, she was different. She didn't, she, she wasn't like the others. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would have rather him done something like, you know, even acoustic guitar and no, no tricks on the vocals, you know, do something more acoustic or, you know, even rock, you know, maybe Gene Simmons, right. Rock is dead. I don't know. Um, but you know, I, I, I might be buying the new Miley Cyrus, you know, CD. She's done a little bit of rock now. Um, and so, you never know. <laughs> At least it's an attempt. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I guess I, the music today, everything sounds the same. Unfortunately, I don't think everything sounded the same. Maybe people think that way about the music we liked from back then, but I don't think everything that sounds the same, at least from the seventies, there was a lot of variety. Um, but nowadays everyone wants to sound the same and do the same type kind of instruments, the same kind of tunes. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, maybe I'm getting old too, like you said, um, <laughs> and cranky with, with the new, the new crowd. But I, I think he should have went a different route as far as his music. And that's my opinion. I, I'd love to have him do a blues type album. You talked about blues, a full blues album, uh, even covering old blues, uh, maybe write a couple of your own kind of blues songs. I think that would have been Be more exciting to me. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. So. Kid with a privileged upbringing singing the blues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how, how terrible life is. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see where he goes because there's no doubting his musical credentials. He's had an incredible upbringing and exposure to music through his father and who, who knows from his mom as well. For I don't know what the, what the deal is, but, it, you know, he he has said, you know, spending that time on tour with Kiss, he will have seen all of the stuff that goes into musical production, the values. He has jammed with his father, uh, you know, at Soundcheck, playing blues riffs and, you know, with, with some great guitarists. Uh, I think his education was music backed. So, you know, again, just because it's not my taste doesn't mean it's good or bad. It's just not my taste. And I run into plenty of music that I listen to once and never listen to again. But it's just because of deleting it so frequently from the board. No one is going to get a free pass because they're someone's child. You know, they have to establish some credibility on their own. Mm -hmm. And covering Maroon 5, to me, is not going to work, play any cred. But, you know, do check it out. Go on YouTube and uh, check Evan Stanley's out. His other songs are Leave This Love and Just Saying. And he's got videos for both of those. Actually, I'm not sure if they're performance videos or what. But, uh, you know, give it a listen. 
worst you can do is you know gouge your ears out with an ice pick so all right that's some random topics from the board some catching up uh we'll be better prepared next time maybe who knows maybe, <laughs> maybe. not maybe this is just a sign of things to come but we'll see uh releases coming down the road <clears throat> should be lots of stuff for collectors to get excited about ken what was that thing that you had at the beginning of the show you still got it oh yeah yeah do it's your show a... and tell it was a collector, uh, I guess, if you collect, you know, Hallmark uh, ornaments, you know, Christmas just passed. And oh, yeah, I got that. The, uh, oh, there you go. Uh, you have that? Yeah, I got it. Okay, so Lonnie knows about it, that uh, it, you know, if you push the button on the guitar, you can actually play it. <laughs> we'll get a copyright so dig go. for this episode for playing yeah, three I, seconds. I cut it off. I cut it off. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So it's something different and cool. You know, hang on your Christmas tree or whatever. You don't even have to hang it. You just display it as a guitar. And hopefully, someone uh, recorded uh, Eddie Trunk's Sirius XM episode today, where he and some special guests try to assemble a best of the solo albums. It's always interesting and entertaining. We've done it before on this show. We've done it to, yeah. to hear others do that. <laughs> and uh, what was that other episode? Oh God. Really unprepared, but uh, Department of Metal Antiquities checked out their episode on Carnival of Souls. So mm. that's the first time I've listened to a podcast in a little bit. So there we go. That's it. So for this week, from Mark, from Lonnie, Ken, and myself, thanks for joining us, and hopefully we'll see you next time. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final, there are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.